You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another emergency off-season episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers received a big commitment, literally, in more ways than one, uh, from Kalel Ware, the seven-foot center from Little Rock, Arkansas, who played his freshman season for the Oregon Ducks, entered the transfer portal, and he will be attending Indiana next season. Uh, and we are here. We have, man, we're, we've got everybody from the Back Home Network here tonight uh, to break this down. Love these emergency off-season pods. Uh, but I have to say, you know, as big as this news is, and of course, we're going to break it all down here now, have to give huge, huge congratulations to Grace Berger right off the top here. Selected number seven by the Indiana Fever. She will be staying home uh, in Indiana. So excited about this. I know she was kind of been mocked in like the eight or nine spot. You know, would the fever jump up and take her? They do. And so our crew over at Doing the Work uh, will be talking about that. But our purpose here tonight is to talk about the newest Indiana Hoosier, Kalel Ware, his strengths, his weaknesses. We've got some scouting reports, talk about how he fits, what this means. Uh, apparently, Mike Woodson can recruit. Who knew? Uh, very interesting development here this offseason. Um, but I do want to let you know also, uh, earlier today in preparation for this news, which a lot of us have been expecting since last Thursday, uh, I did an interview with Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Ducks. Uh, that is on the YouTube channel right now. It'll be in podcast feeds tomorrow morning. He obviously watched Kalel Ware play up close, you know, every game his freshman season. A lot of really good insight from Spencer in there. So it's a great companion piece uh, for this episode. Um, we'll get into some of that, but a lot of details uh, you know, in that podcast that you will uh, want to listen to. So let's open here. As you can see, we've got Jay with us and Tony and Galen and Scott. Others may be joining later. Uh, let's go around the horn here to start and just get your initial reaction uh, to this news before we kind of jump into a scouting report. Uh, and we'll just go around as you are here on StreamYard. So Jay, we will start with you uh, making another appearance on the emergency pods, which is just kind of you know what you do because Jay's always available. We appreciate it. Give me your uh, give me your early uh, your 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 initial reaction to the Kalelware commitment. Jay's always available. That's that's a fun one. Uh, I think I think my wife might disagree with you on that. But um, yeah, thanks for having me. Jerry. That came out it's wrong. Always- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're already off the rails, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, happy to be here, guys. Uh, it's it's an exciting day for IU basketball, um, and maybe this will help the uh, the IU basketball uh, message boards and Twitter community chill out a little bit because. Um, the staff's doing work. There's, um, you know, they've picked out a couple guys that they were really high on. They're getting them on campus. And, uh, you know, as today saw, we, they, they were able to close the deal. So, you know, getting a guy like, um, like Ware, who's, you know, seven feet tall, you know, seven, five, seven, six wingspan, he can protect the rim. He can stretch the floor. Um, I'm already having dreams about him and X running the pick and roll together. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a great fit. Um, he, he really is kind of a modern you know, NBA center um, with his length and athleticism uh, and the different things he can do on a basketball court. Um, obviously, we have there's questions that I'm sure we'll get into about his about his motor and his motivation maybe at some times. But uh, I think it's it's a huge win for Indiana. It sets us it sets IU up to um, you know get a get a top level Big Ten roster for next year. 
and uh, it's a it's another it's a great you know second transfer to get and uh, looking looking forward to see what comes what goes on from here. Absolutely. All right, Tony, let's get your initial thoughts. Tony, uh, Coach Adron, you did a great Twitter thread, uh, you know, breaking down, uh, you know, just uh, scouting tape basically of Kalel Ware along with other IU targets like Chris Ledlam and Dalton Connect. So highly recommend that. That's also inside the community uh, in the IU film room for members of our community. So, Tony, we'll dive into some of the scouting report here in just a bit, but just give me your kind of big picture thoughts of what this means and how Kalel fits with what we know of the roster so far. Sure. It's, uh, you know, as Jay said, it's a good day for Indiana basketball. Um, you know, it's a great day for, um, you know, folks, I, you know, I, I, I don't remember who it was and I don't want to call out individuals, but you know, there was like the Mike Woodson can't close, um, you know, kind of mantra going around Twitter last week. And I told somebody like, just relax. Um, you know, thank good things were coming. Um, you know, some of these whispers about where started happening sometime last week. Um, you know, then the, uh, the buzz really started to, to generate Thursday night. Um, you know, I, Jared started it all guys. I don't know if you've, <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've been on the message. Jared started smirking on the assembly call and, uh, all hell broke loose. Um, I don't have a poker face. I, I learned <laughs> when I'm receiving live news on the show, I have no poker face. It's okay. <laughs> um, it was great timing though. You know, that, that's, yeah. he really waited, you know, until he, he knew, assembly call was going to be live and uh, he waited to, to verbally commit to Indiana. No, but anyway, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. You know, he's, he is the perfect modern five um, for just where college basketball is going, where the game of basketball is going. Um, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that he's like kind of plays four offensively, five defensively, if you will. Um, that's kind of how I envision him with a Malik renew. Um, you know, he is very much a great rim protector, and I, I know we'll dive into some of the scouting stuff here in a bit, so I don't want to go too deep on that. But overall, you know, he, he was the number one rated portal prospect in my mind. You know, Hunter Dickinson, I guess, jumped him in 24-7. But in terms of upside, um, you know, it, it's just it, it's huge. And, and it gives IU a great opportunity, too, if they're able to turn, you know, what was once a projected lottery pick, um, you know, that kind of turned into a second rounder, has to come back to school. If they can turn him back into – a lottery pick, um, you know, you've got a lot of recruiting ammo when the class of 24 and 25 are huge and all have NBA aspirations. So um, not only is it good for IU in the short term in terms of getting a player of this caliber, but it also could, you know, have some, uh, you know, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it, it could, the, I don't know, emphasis or whatever can be felt beyond mm. just next year and I'm not using the right terminology. Jared, you're good with words. Tell me what I'm trying to say there. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I think I think we know what you're saying. I mean, that that's the thing about where, you know, he's... Impact, that's the word I was yes. looking for. Yes, exactly. No, no, that's well said, Tony, and we'll get into to some of the scouting report stuff here in a minute. But folks, I mean, we have such a special treat. You know, when something like this happens, you don't give people a chance to prepare you know, and I sent out the email and I figured there had to be a trivia night or a seltzer tasting or something that would, that would keep him away. But ladies and gentlemen, Actually, he's here. It's, it's, it's homegrown fig week in Westfield. I'm even more shocked than you are, Jared. You, you, you really should play the music that do 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 whatever that song is. Um, no, it's, great. it's great to be on. Um, yes, things in Westfield are going great. Uh, so we are hanging out outside, just playing with the kids in the in the neighborhood. That's all we were doing today. Um, 
and excited to be on here. So a couple things. Um, I'm going to let everyone know right now, December 10th is the over under for when I'm going to pronounce this kid's name, first name correctly. I'll do where (laughs) until December 10th, December 10th of 2024, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, no, of course, maybe 25. Yeah. Once he's playing in the NBA, um, that's when I'll get it right. I I also have to say before I get to the signing, um, as somebody who absolutely loves the old NCAA, when they would have the courts, of, you know, Boise State and all of that. And, you know, I I hate they have the homogenized all the same course now. As a court enthusiast, I got to say, watching the highlights, like, goddamn, Oregon's court is just so ugly. Like, I blame them for making (laughs) me look at that court. I was showing my wife highlights tonight at dinner, um, and she's like, man, that court's ugly. I'm like, yes, it is. Um, Last couple of thoughts. I thought it was funny when you guys did the last emergency pod um, for Peyton Sparks. It was funny in some of the comments. I think I mentioned this on my pod with Tony. It's like, and I I love it. I'm also, you know, a fan who is way too into it. But people were like, well, we need shooting. And like, you know, is he going to be able to do this? Like, you know, we need someone who can drive. And like, it's like, we're going to sign other people. Like, it's not just Peyton Sparks. Like, there will be other people coming. um, And and we got one. So, I have I have both good and bad thoughts, and I'll dig into these in a little bit. But you know, from a not to pour water on it, but like on on one hand, there is a way to look at this where you know where stats are like really similar to Malik Renew, and I don't think anybody here would say like Malik Renew is you know going in the next year unless he really steps up and does some things differently. That you know, like that's going to be a massive impact player. So I think just. We do need to look at that and look at his stats this year. I think there's extenuating circumstances on that based on on coaches and all that. But what I would say that is really key here, because Tony knows more about his play style, how he can fit in, is just the context of the signing. And that, as you guys have mentioned, he's one of the top guys in the portal. And so that's just – that's key. Is like you had a top dude in the portal. Woodson was able to get him. Not only that, he had a – I mean, everything that I would read, like he had a trip scheduled to Alabama and we've all been like, man, Nate Oates is a great I love to have Nate Oates. Like we just, and then he canceled a trip to Alabama. So it's like, he could have very easily been like, I want to go see what Alabama has got to say. Whatever he heard here was good enough to be like, yeah, I don't need Alabama, which has one of the hottest young coaches and was the number one ranked team this year. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm good without that. And I think they have, it's not like that was a school where like, I'm not sure if they have NIL money. I think they have NIL money. So there's, there's a lot of stuff there. So I think those to me are the most impressive things is that you got a top guy in the portal and you got him to basically say, yeah, I don't even need to look at Alabama. What I saw here is what I want to roll with. Absolutely. No, well said, you know, when Galen Scott, you know, kind of alluded there to the fact that IU fans have been on edge a little bit this offseason, pensive perhaps. I think knowing the stakes, right? Knowing how important it is to land an impact transfer portal class. And I think we've been conditioned over the past decade or two to kind of feel like things might not quite go our way. And I thought you had a great tweet earlier today talking about how you know, oh, Indiana can act like an apex predator out on the you know the the, the transfer portal battlefield as as happened here. You know, and and again, it's not to make any promises or to guarantee that anything is going to happen, but just to contextualize this, this was absolutely one of the most coveted players in the transfer portal. A McDonald's All American, you know, Jordan Brand classic guy, a guy who was on NBA mock drafts entering last year. There's no question about the talent. Now there are some other questions, and we'll get to them. But Galen, what does the signing of a player like that mean and how how should IU fans kind of look at that first of all Jared good to be here good to see all of you unlike Mark McGuire I'm here to talk about both the past and the future (laughs) and so let me talk about the past first 
you know, that's an I old think, reference, but a great I, I know, but I'm feeling it. So just let me roll with it. Um, here's I'm going to do thing. so. I'm just going to talk in Spanish the rest yeah, of the time. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get a Tony to like point at the camera, like Rafael Palmero next. That'll, that'll be the, the, uh, the complete tweet. Look, a lot of people take a lot of shots at Mike Woodson and I get it to a little bit of a degree because IU fans still think that they're just a year away from being in the final four every single year. And what we've seen, I think, A, is that Indiana's still a ways away from that, but that B, Mike Woodson deserves a hell of a lot of credit because in a very short period of time, he's taken a non-tournament team and then taken them to the tournament and then taken a team that was barely in the tournament and turn them into a protected seed in the NCAA tournament in, in a two-year span of time. Um, people criticized Woodson not being more active in the portal last year. But as somebody pointed out, and I can't remember who it was, Indiana didn't think they needed to go into the portal last cycle because they had what they felt was a potential top 10 caliber roster. And guess what? They were right. And if you didn't have an injury that took Jalen Huchifino out for three weeks and then took Xavier Johnson out for the rest of the season, maybe they were a top 10 team. Uh, you know, this was clearly a team that was firing on a bunch of cylinders that got its composition kind of changed, unfortunately, and still managed to come away as a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. So now that group of players that Woodson partially brought in, partially inherited, partially recruited. Some of them have transferred or not trans. Well, a couple of them transferred out, but some of them have moved on to greener pastures or different pastures. Now we see Woodson saying, all right, I know the core more or less that I've got coming back. What can I add to that picture? And for him to go out and with very little like smoke beforehand, like it wasn't like people were saying, oh, Kalel Ware might end up in Bloomington. I mean, everything you heard about Kalel Ware was this is a guy who, you know, was far away from home. He he was, you know, maybe going to go back to the South, might go to Arkansas, might go to Alabama. Certainly wasn't going to going to go to another place that was more than 12 hours from his home. Instead, he ends up landing in Bloomington. Why? Well, partially because of NIL, certainly. But, but I think largely because of Mike Woodson, because Alabama's got NIL money. Like, it's not like there's no NIL money for Alabama basketball. But IU has Mike Woodson, who has coached, you know, an untold number of NBA players and has turned two IU players this year into probable first-round draft picks. That matters a great deal. And when you look at the type of player this is, this is a, yes, it's a, it's a quote-unquote replacement for Trace Jackson Davis in terms of, oh, he'll play the five. But you just watch a minute of tape on Kalel Ware. This is an entirely different basketball player than Trace Jackson Davis. This is an entirely different set of dimensions that Indiana is going to be having at their disposal on the court. And if you look at what Woodson was able to do with Trey Galloway and his shooting, with Miller Kopp and both his shooting and his overall defensive positioning, with Trace Jackson Davis and his efficiency and the way that he handled himself and the way that he passed and turned himself into an assist leader, you look at the raw materials that Colel Ware has at his disposal, the, the raw physical gifts, the ability to shoot through contact and hit, the ability to block shots and alter shots. This, quite frankly, is the type of guy that Mike Woodson could turn into a lottery pick within 11 months' time, which is about what we're talking about. That is absolutely something we need to tip our cap to Mike Woodson to. I don't think you get that with another coach necessarily here at IU. And it opens the door now, as we mentioned earlier, for other players to look at that and say, wow, I want to go play at Indiana 
because look at the lineup that they've already got assembled and we haven't even got a fully complete roster yet. So I'm pretty excited about this and I'm really excited about the potential change that this demonstrates in terms of the direction that Indiana basketball is going. Absolutely. No, very well said, Galen. So let's dive in a little bit here to the player because I can already hear the skeptics, right? Like, okay, well, if this guy is so great and he's so awesome, why did he struggle at Oregon? Why did his freshman year go like that? And, you know, so before, Tony, we get into to the scouting stuff, Jay, you know, you sent out uh, an article earlier tonight that I think is a really good read for IU fans. Um, and, you know, the kind of the, the long and short of it is, you know, Khalil wears from Little Rock. He's a shy, quiet guy. And he went to Oregon and the assistant coach who recruited him to Oregon left to take a head coaching job before the season started. So he's out in Oregon. The guy who he had the relationship with is gone. He's you know, now, you know, obviously has the head coach there working with him. And for a variety of reasons, it seems like it didn't click. And one of the things that you hear or that you read about his freshman season is, wow, I mean, tantalizing flashes and he can do this and he can do that. But how hard was he working to improve his skills? Because he kind of stayed stagnant offensively from the beginning of the year to the end. Does he have the motor that you need? And, And to be fair, these were questions coming out of high school too. But it was interesting, Jay, when I talked with Spencer, uh, you know, from the Locked on Ducks podcast, it, you know, we started talking about that and I was referencing that article and he was like, you know, I didn't know that story, but it kind of makes sense watching what happened that that may have played a role in it, you know, and that the issues that he kind of had with Altman, even getting a, a, a healthy scratch for one game may have all kind of led to that. And so all of that to say, you know, there have been questions about the motor, as there are with a lot of big guys. Guess what? Trace Jackson Davis had questions about his motor coming into college and even throughout some of his time at IU. So that is not odd for a young big man. Malik Renew faced that this year. It was one of the big criticisms Mike Woodson had. And so as we look at this, the talent is not the question. The athletic ability is not the question. He's demonstrated that. Can he have the right mindset to you know, step in and improve that motor and kind of bring the intensity uh, that he needs. What did you kind of learn about that from from your research on him? And again, and I'll tweet out the link to that article so everybody can see it. Yeah, it, it's tough. You have to remember that these these guys are eighteen years old. You know, he's an eighteen year old kid from from Little Rock, Arkansas. He commits to follow a coach that uh, recruited him for Oregon. Um, who was who had previously been at Arkansas, I believe. Is that right? I, th- I think I think the coach was previously at Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, so he knew him. He knew him for being in Arkansas. Follow decides to follow him to Oregon. The coach before uh, before Ware gets on, and you know, to his credit, Ware honored his commitment. Decided to go out there and give it a shot. Um, as you mentioned, the article talks about um, him being kind of a shy, passive kid. And, you know, he's all of a sudden he's all the way across the country from his family, from his support system. And he doesn't have the coach there that he thought he was going to be, that he had the connection with. So if things start to go wrong, which they did, I mean, you go back and look at how, how, where started the season, you know, go look at those games, the game tape from the Phil Knight classic. You know, I think they played UConn, Michigan State. He looks and, good, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, you know, he put up like 16 points a game in those three games and was blocking shots and hitting threes. Um, you know, but sometimes, sometimes it just takes a while. Once you get into the grind of college basketball, you see freshmen start to struggle. And if you start to struggle when you're, you know, when you're thousands of miles away from home, you have nobody there that you really, you know, feel like you can trust, feel like that believes in you. It can go sideways pretty quickly. Um, and as you as you mentioned, he had a coach's scratch one game. He was playing single digit minutes, five or six minutes. You know, and when you're when you're trying to adjust to college basketball and 
and play at a high level, um, that's got to be tough on a kid. And, you know, he's, I think, I, I don't, I think, I think Warrior might still be 18. Maybe he's 19 years old now. I think he's, he just but, turned 19 recently, okay. I believe. So, you know, he's a young kid and it's, it, and it could be tough for big guys to trans, to transition to college basketball too. Cause you go from being, you know, the biggest, strongest guy out there to all of a sudden you're playing against guys that are four years older than you. So I think a lot of things probably shook his confidence. Um, he didn't have support. And, you know, I think it was pretty clear that he was going to seek out another option after the season at Oregon. Um, he could have gone in the NBA draft. I think, you know, I think he probably would have been a late first, early second round pick um, looking at, you know, the current projections of where people have him or where people had him before he announced he wasn't even going to test the draft waters. Um, and that just speaks to the, the kind of incredible uh, amount of talent and physical gifts this guy has. I mean, he just really just his length and athleticism really just jump off the screen when you watch him play. So, you know, I, I think it'll be it's it'll be great for him to get a fresh start. Um, you know, Woodson has shown what he can do with 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 talented big guys. You know, he you know, the one thing Trace said is that he didn't realize he wasn't playing as hard as he needed to until Woodson got in and, and showed him, you know, how hard he needed to play every night out. So uh, I don't think we have any complaints about how hard Trace played the last uh, this past season. So if he's able to do something like that and help it click with where and I think, as Galen mentioned, turn him into a lottery pick next year, which is the goal from all accounts. You know, they they expect him to come in and be a lottery pick after this season. Um, I think it's I think it'll be great for both for both uh, for both Weyer and IU basketball. Absolutely. Galen, you have here his birthday is uh, April 20th, 04. So I guess he's 18 now and then we'll be 19 wow. here shortly if I'm yeah, doing this, my live math correct. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This could you know, he was he was playing on the under 18 USA team last summer. So, I mean, he's his pedigree is great, but. You know, imagine imagine being just you know eighteen years and two months old and moving to Oregon from Arkansas and not having anybody you really know out there. So I mean, it's yeah. the, you know the, what he went through. I think is I think really uh, you know probably had a big impact on on his freshman year productivity. Tony, let's dive a little bit into the scouting report here. You know, one of the things about Kalel Ware that will be very familiar to Indiana fans is the shot blocking. Uh, you know, his shot blocking, he had a, a block percentage of 8.9% this year. Trace Jackson Davis was 9.0. So that means when he was on the court, and he played less than Trace, but he was blocking about the same percentage of shots. And it's one of his, you know, obviously really big strengths. Um, but let's look on the offensive side of the floor first, because I think that's where everybody is going to be especially tantalized, given that this is a seven-footer who can step out and shoot threes. He took 55 of them. Um, and in fact, you know, from Oregon people, that was kind of the biggest disappointment is that that percentage wasn't higher, you know, because a lot of those were open shots, um, you know, and so whether it was just struggling to kind of adapt to the speed of the game or whatever, you know, the percentage wasn't great. But I don't know, man, for a seven foot big guy shooting 27 percent as a freshman, it's actually pretty good. Um, so I'd be careful getting too concerned about that number because he looks fluid doing it. And the other thing that is a real strength of his is playing out of the pick and roll, which is extremely important for Indiana with Xavier Johnson because they're going to want to do that. But instead of just being a roll guy, he can also pop. And so he can do both of them. And one of the things Spencer was talking about is how good his instincts are in the pick and roll and kind of going where he needs to go, catching lobs, all those things. So those are definitely, I think, a few of the kind of noteworthy skills that he's going to bring to the table that are going to give the Indiana offense a different dimension than what we've seen. Uh, what else did you see from Kalel when you dug into the tape? Yeah, I kind of started um, just from the start of the season and just was like, all right, let's see, um, you know, how he progressed. And, it, it, you know, I, st I started watching some of these games against the Houstons, the Yukons, the Michigan States. 
and was kind of like, hot damn, like, you know, this kid is, is really something special. I mean, this was like when there was first being talked about Indiana might have, um, you know, a connection to be able to land him. And so then I, I went back, I went and just kind of looked like, obviously we know what his final stats were. Um, I went and looked from that first game against Florida A&M um, through the, his first seven games, basically of his college career. He played Florida A&M, UC Irvine, Montana State, Houston, UConn, Michigan State, Villanova. In those games, he averaged 11 points per game, uh, 6.5 rebounds, shot 57% from two, 33% uh, from three, overall 49% from the floor. Um you know, if, if he put up those numbers across a season, I think most people are probably pretty happy. And he's probably a lottery pick, um, to be quite honest, especially with his age and the tools that he's got. Now, obviously, things went south from there. Uh, um, his numbers tanked. His minutes tanked. Uh, and what I think is important to note, when you have that relationship with an assistant coach, and, and this that, that is not abnormal. Um, to go somewhere where you have a relationship with an assistant coach that's very, very strong. Um, when you lose that, you kind of lose the conduit there that can kind of, you know, there's there's certainly some good cop, bad cop to play with head coach and assistant coach. You know, that the head coach isn't really the guy that's like your best friend typically. Now, he's a relationship builder and, and you know, he's able to um, build a relationship that's a huge part of being a head coach. But a lot of times he's the guy that's getting in your rear end that assistant coach comes over, puts his arm around you, says, hey, look, here's why he's saying that. You're doing X, Y, and Z, and he's playing that good cop. Well, when you lose that, and even if another assistant, assistant's coming over to do that with Ware, but he doesn't really have that relationship to where Ware knows that he's being truthful and real, that that plays a role. And, and I'm not putting all the blame on the Oregon staff or anything like that, but you know when Altman's getting in his rear and he's far away from home and – he kind of feels cheated already that the coach left that he had a relationship with like that. Those things are all factors, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say, just to kind of piggyback on what Jay's saying um, before diving into to some of the, that the uh, scouting, but you know, let, me, took- let me jump in real quick, Tony, before you get into it, I'll, I'll go ahead and blame Dana Altman, Dana Altman. <laughs> I think Dana Altman, frankly, was trying to get fired, which culminated him in complaining about the crowd that they had against Wisconsin in the NIT game. I mean, if you look at where his stats in the Pac-12 season, he plays 12 minutes against USC at home, scores eight points. They win that game by 18. He scores eight points against UCLA. who was a pretty good basketball team this year. Then doesn't play for three games, essentially. Played eight combined minutes in the next three. Then is back against Cal and scores double digits on 19 points and is a 142 offensive rating. And then he doesn't play for two more games, essentially, for, for very long. I mean, it's it's really fascinating how up and down his stats were. I think it's clear there was a personality conflict there. And so you combine that with the story that Jay linked earlier about his kind of quiet demeanor and, and not really being a talkative guy, I'm you know, as as Tony said, like there's enough evidence both early on and then sporadically throughout the course of the year. It's not like this guy just forgot how to play basketball. They also had two other guys, six eleven or taller, who were highly regarded and highly recruited as well. You know, yeah. that had been there longer with the coach. This, and so, Oregon reminds me of like the computer recruiting in college hoops two K eight, where <laughs> they'll bring in like four centers who have the exact same stats, and it's like, what are you doing? Uh, so that's essentially how they've run their program for years. Yeah. It was a weird year there. It really was, you know. So, 
who knows what you know what my, my favorite part of diving into these scouting clips is uh like every third game you watch bill walton's on the call and so you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you get that uh that aspect as well too so you get like a peyote trip here and um uh, at one point my favorite this is a complete tangent but bill walton uh, called an Oregon game. I was watching in like 2019 or 2020 and he called a whole possession in the middle of a game, like no reason as if it was the 2000 Indiana Pacers. And he was like, Mark Jackson brings it up the floor. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, Bobby Slick Leonard's on the call. And he, I mean, he just went like it, out of nowhere. Like it was the most bizarre thing. Dale Davis was mentioned. It was a whole thing. But anyway, uh, wow. side tangent there, you know, you, we're allowed to get weird on these things. We can bring yes. up Bill Walton trips. Um, but anyway, you know, to be serious, his his ball to you know ten minutes ago, the question you asked, his ability in the ball screens is is phenomenal, and, and like you said, he just gets to the right spot. He gets, um, you know, you can throw it. XJ can throw it anywhere near the rim, and he's going to be able to go get it, and he's going to be able to finish it. And not that he didn't have that in Trace Jackson Davis, but it's it's even a different element above where Trace was able. I mean, his I arms can, go on forever. It's insane. I mean, that's the most noticeable thing when you watch him is just his wingspan is just incredible. I I mean, I, I, some of, we mentioned his block rate on defense. Like he blocked a guy, he was in drop coverage on a ball screen, which basically means when you're the big, you just continue backing up um, to put it like in layman terms. He was in drop coverage. This guy pulled up at 15 feet, faded away. And from like seven feet, he blocked it. Like it was the most insane thing I've seen. Um, because his length and, and his tools, you know, that's why he was lauded as a lottery projection, um, coming into college. And so, yeah, his, his ability in ball screens is going to be incredible. Um, I can't wait, you know, given that if XJ gets that waiver, uh, those two in ball screen actions is, is going to be very, very solid. Um, and it's, it's exciting. Um, I think, um, he can do the pick and pop as well, um, which is exciting. And so just a lot of a lot of different things that he's able to do offensively, and it really fits it more into the modern game. Um, you know, he has a post-up game to him, and but he's much more of a finesse post player. Like, he's going to back it down a couple times, and then he's going to fade away. Um, yep. Similar to, like, what you see with, like, a Kevin Durant. You know, I'm not trying to say he's Kevin Durant, but, like, he, he plays in the post that way. Like, he's not going to try to bully you and then go finish with the tomahawk slam like Trace would or later or um, this past season. So a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, he just oozes potential. Like you see why the scouts and everything were just like, man, this kid's going to be great um, because it just he has all the tools to, to for that makeup there. You know, and, and we're going to have to see, obviously, what the rest of the roster looks like. You know, we hope that Indiana is going to get a dead-eye shooter to play one of those wing spots, and hopefully you get, you know, another guy who is good off the dribble and kind of a, you know, a good versatile player to to round this out. <clears throat> but what we do know is, assuming X gets his waiver, he's going to be playing with X, who really, honestly, is a point guard tailor-made for him um, in a lot of ways. Uh and we're pretty sure that Malik Renew is going to have one of the other starting spots. And I think it's really important, you know, with a guy like Malik, who is so talented um, and can do so many things, I think you need a big who on offense 
can step out and help space the floor so Malik can do what he does closer to the basket and defensively can be that rim protector that Malik really isn't. So they really complement each other well uh, on both sides of the court, um, which is, you know, obviously great as we kind of build this roster and, you know, and look to to put something together that is going to work. Uh, Galen, what would you want to say? Um, you know, th- what I'm also excited about is his rebounding potential. Uh, if you look at his defensive rebounding percentage, in you know 38% of available minutes, it was 21.9, which was higher than every player on IU's roster except for Trace Jackson Davis, who was only a couple percentage points higher. And 21.9% is higher than Malik Renew's defensive rebounding percentage. Like, this is a guy who seems to know where to go for the basketball, and, and that's really exciting. Like, they're, they're, just watching what footage I saw of him, uh, he, he seems to have a nose for where to be on the court. And... Clearly, there's more, I think, to come from him. But the fact that he performed as well against good competition, not just Montana State, and you look at some of the underlying numbers and you're like, well, gosh, you know, I mean, 107 offensive rating, 22% defensive rebounding rate, 53% from two. Like, that's really good for a guy that, I mean, if you're questioning the motor of a guy who's put up those numbers with supposedly a low motor, uh, you know, you you plug him into a, a coach with twenty plus years of NBA experience, and a, and on a team that's going to have a senior like sixth year point guard running the show. That's a really enticing combination. Got some interesting well, player comps here flying around the chat. We'll get to those in a minute. But <laughs> Scott, I know I know you have to go in a little bit, so I want to make sure you get a chance to get back in here. Yeah, no, no worries. No, I was going to jump in. You never need to stop for me. Um, no, I mean, I I will kind of continue on the theme everyone's talking about. Like when you look at those first games that he played this year, I mean, it's not against bad, I mean, a couple of, you know, softies there, but you have Connecticut, Houston, Michigan State, Villanova. I mean, that's a good murderer's row of teams. Where's my, uh, where's my tab here? You know, of those first 10 games, Seven of those 10 games, he had an, uh, an offensive rating of over 100. And in the two of those, he was 98 and 99 in two of those. And really, you could call it nine of 10 games, he had an offensive rating of over 100. First 10 games, his average offensive rating is 114.9. Um, and you know, you could you could make the case that, all right, people got the book on him and they figured things out. But it is such a drop from that point on that I, I do think, like, the, the, not the story that Jay told, but like the the story that Jay's telling of, you know, somebody who, you know, bad assistant coaching, as Dalen said, maybe bad coaching, <clears throat> a lot of other things, you know, and this is one of those things too, where if you're the kid, if you're 18, 19, like, you know, where didn't just decide to transfer yesterday. Like, I don't know when, but sometime in the January, December timeline, he's probably like, all right, I'm out of here. And once you make that call, like, it, you know, and I'm not picking on current players, but I, I heard just talking, you know, on one of the other pods, someone, you know, Tamar Bates, just how how different he looked at the beginning of his freshman year, but how he looked now. And I'm sure part of that is, you know, everyone's locked in, they care, but like, that's probably, we're all human. It's like, once you check out of a job, it's like, all right, I'm kind of checked out. I'm ready for the next one. Like, there's also a world where, you know, that story tells it. And I think a comp, you know, we're talking about player comps. You know, I don't know the the whole story, but I think you look at somebody like maybe, you know, Bryce Hopkins who went to Providence this year and had a really good year after being highly, you know, four-star, highly recruited, went to Kentucky and was just basically like uh, two points a game DNP and then goes to Providence and basically just gets shot out of a cannon um, and plays really, really well um, and has a great season for them. You know, and I think that's the, the hope comp that you have here is that, 
you know, th- those are the cases, not that you're looking at like a dude who scored six points a game. It's like, there's a lot of reasons why. And, you know, not that you don't count the whole second half of the season, but there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there that I do think are, you know, need, need to be addressed. No, no question. I mean, fit is everything. You know, and that's what we're all wondering is, okay, is this fit at Indiana going to be better, right? On the plus side, well, you have a coach in Mike Woodson that has dealt with all kinds of talent, all kinds of personalities, and has, you know, already succeeded at helping to develop big men in college. You know, on the negative side, okay, if it's a shy or a quiet, shy guy, how's he going to adjust to the fishbowl of Indiana basketball? You know, is that going to be an issue? And we don't know some of these things, you know, and so that's what is is so interesting about this discussion is you watch highlights for 10 seconds and you're immediately tantalized by, oh my gosh, we've never seen someone in an IU uniform doing some of this stuff. You know, certainly not in recent history. You watch highlights. In yeah, recent you just watch history. highlights for 10 seconds. You, you come up with player comps that you can't. We yeah. lost you, Jared. You're back finally. Okay. Oh, shoot. Sorry. So I was just over here talking by myself. That was, okay. that was no, no, no. the <laughs> known to man and nobody heard it. Oh. Yeah. I, I got to roll, but I, I have one thought and one question I want to end. Like the, the one question I have is. When when is Xavier? When do we get that? Do we know when we know that answer? No. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Thank you, NCA. The, the, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I will end with this: is that you know I didn't mean to pour water on the the gecko. I just I think everyone needs you know just we do need to kind of understand the context of this. But here's what I do think is the the key thing to take away from this is that you know for, for those like the portal might be the new recruiting trail, and as you look at this, like again. There's a couple different portal rankings, but you know, where was anywhere as high as the second, and as Tony mentioned, like the number one guy in the portal until Dickinson came out and then he was number two. You know, as I see him as low as 22, but he's in that top 10 for most all portal rankings. And if you assume that, you know, most teams are now going to be created with a hybrid of recruiting and portal, but you know, some you can even say maybe the portal is now more important than recruiting, you know. This is a big deal because if you even think back, when was the last time we got one of the top five recruits in the country? I mean, like, honestly, in the last 20 years, like, I mean, Romeo, Romeo Lankford was a high recruit. Like, Jalen Huchafino was, like, a five-star, but he was, like, what, like, 25th in the in the class? Um, I'm not knocking me. Eric Gordon was high. I don't think he – like, getting a top five recruit is something we just haven't done over the course of, you know, 20, 30 years. And, you know, it hasn't done us well in, in basketball results. If the new world is moving toward – much more importance on the portal, which I think that is for basically the second year you're doing portal to get one of the top three dudes. That that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. I, and that's going to pretend good things. I, I look at it. I think just think about the portal as the certified pre-owned vehicle segment <laughs> of things. Like you don't yeah. need, you don't know necessarily the new car may not be the best, best thing. You want to let the reviews come in for a year and, and uh, you get the warranty still, but no, I think it's a great point, Scott, like IU being we in the Carfax, we got the Carfax on where Carfax, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and IU being in contention for that level of talent, they haven't been in that conversation. I mean, they just haven't been. And, and it's been something that our fans have largely tried to explain away or say, well, we don't want those types anyway because they're one of them. It's like, you absolutely want those types of players. It's like, you know, IU women's basketball was a one seed this year. Why? Because they had two first-round WNBA draft picks on their roster. That matters. And this guy has the physical tools. And if Woodson can help unlock what he's doing, then yes. And I think, Scott, you make a great point. This is not a guy we've been in the range of getting it feels like for quite a while. All right. I'm off to caviar tasting with the neighbors. See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) See you, Scott. Thanks for coming, man.
By the way, uh, Scott claiming that he wasn't trying to pour cold water on things when his first sentence was, you know, I'm going to have to pour some cold water on things. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous revisionist podcasting there. Yes, always. Always. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that we always end up talking about with, with players like this, I think it's just to help contextualize it for, you know, for audience members who haven't maybe dug in quite as much, is just kind of player comps. You know, who are some guys that, that this guy reminds you of? And when you start talking player comps with him, it's really interesting some of the names that come up. You know, a couple of NBA draft profiles that I saw, or one at least, had him compared to Jarrett Allen, uh, which is an interesting one. Obviously, a very good defensive player, you know, good pick and roll guy. And Jay, I thought you had an interesting one in the chat, which goes along a little bit with the the one that I talked about with Spencer, and this is what he brought up. And Tony, you know, he was talking about how offensively, one of the reasons why he was a little bit less efficient is it was a shot that he loved to go to, which is, and you mentioned this, you know, in the post, he's not like Trace where he wants to go attack the basket. He really likes the turnaround fadeaway. And it's the kind of shot that if you're good at it, it's amazing because it's unguardable. And so the name that Spencer brought up is Dirk Nowitzki. And he said in the post when he's playing in there and his ability to face the basket and shoot. Now, not at all in the pick and roll as he liked Dirk. But he said that's where you start to see some of those similarities. And he was a little bit inefficient on the turnaround jumper. But if he gets better at that, he can get that shot against double teams. You know, and again, it's just it's a dimension that Indiana hasn't had. You know, think about how many times you're at the end of the shot clock and you're trying to get it to trace and you're struggling just to get him the ball. And then he's triple teamed and, you know, he's got to go through people. So there's nothing there. Well, this is the type of player that can get it just because he's bigger and longer than everybody. And if he's double or triple teamed, you know, can hit that little, you know, turnaround. Now, again, the skill has to develop. It has to get better. But these are some of the things that we just haven't seen that adds a different dimension uh, to the offense than we've had. And Jay, I think the guy that you were uh, mentioning is it's kind of a similar feel there in terms of offensive game. Yeah, and is my audio better? I, I had my mic on the. Is it okay? Not a bit. No, <laughs> it's, it's not better at all. No, you, you, I mean, it's not like you're talking to us on a portable phone from 1988. Just, just <laughs> that's the closest I can come to it. Yeah. Let me. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> it's it's so, yeah. very <laughs> mediocre audio. Very <laughs> mediocre. God, well, if I got invited on these things more often, I'd probably get. Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade your rig, man. You'd get invited more often. Can I? I I'll say while he while Jay's getting his audio fixed. I, this is it's a weird comp. I know, but he kind of and and he's not there yet statistically. But a little bit of Chet Holmgren. <laughs> for me uh it's, chat there. It, it, a, a lot of the statistical profile it's like a it's like an embryonic version of what chet did now chet was a top five player in the one year that he was at gonzaga but the body shape uh you know he's he's not a power guy he's more finesse but he's got the ability to sustain contact he can shoot from outside uh and he can rebound i mean that's that that reminds me a lot of chet holmgren hopefully without the injury issues Valerie says that Jay needs NIL money to fix his audio. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Get get more yeah. tweets referenced in on the the Peaks message board, and then we'll upgrade your oh, audio. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I, I was trying. I've been watching a lot of video where because we all expected this for a while, and so uh, I went back and I was trying to think about who he reminded me of, and this kind of goes back to my like prime being in high school, following recruiting. Um, there was this guy who was six eleven, two fifteen. He was a, you know, a number of, you know, top 15, top 20 player in the class, five-star. Um, he went, he went in his first year, he averaged, you know, 10 points, six boards, a block and a half. You know, he only played 20 minutes a game. 
His second year, he averaged 15, 9, 2 blocks, and was the number two pick in the, the draft after his sophomore year, and that's LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, his game just really reminds me of, of uh, the stuff that LaMarcus could do, especially when he was younger. People forget how athletic uh, he was and able to you know finish above the rim, block shots, that sort of stuff. So um, it's really hard to find kind of those uh, those videos from from back there on YouTube. But um, it's it's it really is those games uh, really remind each other, re- remind me um, a lot of each other. All right, and subbing in for Scott Caulfield to give us uh, a, a five man crew here. It's Coach Tonsoni. Coach, what's happening? Not much, not much. I missed the I missed the email for the link there. I was on another call. I would have gotten off uh, earlier, so I can come talk to you fellas. How are we doing? We're good. We're just talking about the newest Hoosier. What's your instant reaction to the Kalel Ware commitment? You got to get talent. Uh, talent wins, um, and you got to take a risk on the talent. I don't know what you guys have shared uh, before, but you got to get talent in, and he's obviously a talent. Uh, from the basketball perspective, I, I like the fact that he can take lob passes from X uh, next year. I also like that he can face up a little bit. looks like he's not afraid to shoot at least 15-footers or three-pointers. That's exciting. Um, I, I think, you know, the only concern is, you know, the, the motor question that comes out of Oregon, and you got to hope that Woody can convince uh, him to, to put all his chips in and, and be a lot better. And, and the worry there is, is that innate in, in who he is and that undermines his talent? Or can Woody draw out um, from him that competitive fire and maximize his talent? So the young man has some work to do. The coaching staff has some work to do. This isn't an automatic thing by any means uh, because of the situation. You know, he was the number, what, seven recruit and went and only averaged 6.6 points. There's a reason. Um, can that reason go away? Was it all relationship uh, because of the assistant coach situation leaving? Uh, we can hope uh, because if if we do and that and that coin flip hit you know hits heads, then we have a a really nice uh, replacement not a not a total replacement for Trace Jackson Davis, but a nice piece to to, to fit in there. Yeah, well said, Coach. You know, and, and Tony, as we continue looking at what type of player he is, you know, one of the other comps with him that's interesting, and if you look at his Ken Palm player page, this is one of the, the players with the highest similarity scores. And what's interesting is those similarity scores only take into account, you know, like all the attributes, right? Height and weight and your percentages and, and your stats and everything. And it's Christian Wood, uh, who Dallas Mavericks fans like myself have, you know, gotten to kind of see up close this year. And he's a guy with every tool in the box that you would possibly want, you know, had a, a very productive, uh, you know, started off kind of slow at UNLV, had a very productive soft, sophomore season, has now gone into the NBA and bounced around, you know, and he's a guy who's productive, but has questions about, you know, kind of motor and, you know, some of that, some of those kinds of things. Uh, and so, you know, coach makes a great point. I mean, the talent is there, all that stuff. And, and it's absolutely a guy that you go after because he's the type of talent and the upside is just unbelievable. But, you know, there is a downside where this could be disappointing. And granted, disappointing for him is still going to end up being pretty good because even just what he did last year was pretty good. Um, but if it doesn't hit, you know, the top line, of, you know, that has kind of given us all the enthusiasm, that may be why, you know, and there are comps that kind of go both ways. To me, 
where I think as an Indiana fan, you can have some confidence is if you're bringing this guy in under maybe a, a different IU coaching staff, you might question it. But one of the things that we've learned from Woody is he is good with different personalities and specifically with big guys. He's not only helped them develop skill wise, but he's helped them develop that motor that you need that when you get a big guy that then understands how hard I also have to play. Some magic happens. It happened with Trace. We saw it a little bit with Malik, and it's one of the reasons I'm so bullish on him next year. And I think you put Kalel in there while adding a guy like Peyton Sparks, who is Mr. Motor. You know, I think I think I just think it's going to make it a good situation for him to where, and I can see why from his perspective. You know, why would he want to go to Indiana? Well, clearly the coaches painted this picture. You know, I saw someone tweet that, like, why would you want to go there? It doesn't seem like a good fit. Yeah, but I think if you understand at a nuanced level what this program is all about right now, it's actually a great fit. Um, you know, and so I, I'm not sure that you could draw something up from his perspective that seems better to unlock those things. Now we have to see it, um, but it's at least something that this coaching staff has already demonstrated in short order at IU. Sorry, Tony, that was leading into a question and then the question just kind of ended. So I was hoping that <laughs> you could just say something profound when I stopped talking. I, I was, yeah, I, I thought perhaps you it was edit it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, with, with the motor thing, I find that interesting because I always feel like that's subjective a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how do you define motor? I guess, you know, how do you define playing hard? You know, I can, I can see the tweets now when he, he misses his second fadeaway in a row or something, you know, soft, uh, you know, afraid of contact. It's completely I, I, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. Um, and so to me, when, you know, I watched, an extensive amount of film and, and not just highlights, you know, that's something else that I think is important. I've watched full games and I think he, he certainly has like a smoothness and, you know, a player comp in terms of like how he plays the game. Um, I have said like a Christian Watford and I yep. mean that in terms of Christian Watford, sometimes you could watch him play and, be like, man, is he like really trying? And but he was like, that's just the way he played. He was very smooth. He was very methodical in how he approached the game. And that's how I see where. Um, now, it, does he bust his tail and does he know how hard he's playing all the time? Probably not. Obviously, you know, for for that to kind of be um, something that people were keeping an eye on heading into college, and then um, you know, it was a problem that Dana Altman had with him. Obviously, there's there's probably something there. But I watched a lot of the film, and I never like saw like just like very negative body language or him just like, you know, you can usually tell when, when somebody's not engaged and I, I didn't really get that vibe. You know, I, I, um, like I said, I just saw somebody that took like a smooth methodical approach. I don't see that like changing. Like, I think you can, you can tell when he's playing hard by how he's getting up and down the floor, but when he has the ball in his hands, like you're not going to see just like, I don't know, like just a power explosive drive or something like you know, it's, it's very smooth. And so, um, I think that's important to keep in mind that, um, you know, when the first time you watch him play, he, first of all, he's not just like a running highlight reel, like you see of all the videos right now, you know, he's, he's a basketball player and he's going to make mistakes and he's going to do things wrong. But, um, he's also, uh, just the way he approaches the game is a little bit different than what we've seen from Indiana fans or from Indiana players re recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So let's kind of zoom out just a little bit. I think we've done a good job, I think, of painting a picture of who this player is. Again, you know, go listen to the kind of companion podcast with this that I did with Spencer McLaughlin to dive in uh, even more. Um, let's talk about what this means now from a roster standpoint for what we have and what we are continuing to look for, Galen. Um, I think probably the smart money right now would be on if you're projecting the starting lineup moving forward, you would write Xavier Johnson and Penn, assuming that he gets his waiver. Uh, I think you probably have Malik Renew and Kalel Ware in there as well. Uh, and then you know, you're kind of looking at the other two spots. You know, We have some returning guys and Trey Galloway and CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks and others who could figure uh, into those spots. And there are targets Indiana's going after, like Chris Ledlam from Harvard. A lot of the things that you hear there are positive. Uh, and then, you know, Indiana's been targeting some of these perimeter shooters. You know, Nick Timberlake doesn't seem like that's really happening. Dalton Connect from Northern Colorado. That's a name that's been on a lot of people's radar screens. You start to kind of see what this staff is thinking and what they're envisioning, you know, for the style that they want to play. So how do you kind of see Kalel Ware fitting into that? And what is now next as we, you know, turn our attention to the next commitment? What do you think is the most important thing for Indiana to get next? Well, I mean, shooting is definitely the most important thing for them to get next. I don't think there's any question. I mean, you you know, as much as I was impressed with how Woodson was able to improve the shooting of players, and, and as much as I think Trey Galloway will continue to shoot well from outside, you need at least one more person whose primary focus is shooting from outside because it's just such a part of the modern game. So I would expect them to go for that. But look, uh, you know, there's there's still spots left on the roster, and I think – if we learned anything from Florida Atlantic, it's that it doesn't really matter, really, who's starting your games. Uh, you need to have a group of players that can be somewhat interchangeable, that can perform. We get so insanely hung up on who is starting, especially as Indiana fans. I mean, it gets hammered on all the time by podcast hosts, by writers, by fans on social media. I don't think it matters all that much because I think so much of what Indiana is going to be facing, particularly with the roster that Woodson seems to be trying to put together, is situational. And if we've learned anything about basketball over the last 10 years, college basketball, it's that you're going to need one roster to win in the non-conference season. You're going to need a whole different roster to win in the Big Ten season. And then you're going to need a third roster to win in the postseason. And so I look at what they seem to be trying to assemble, which is a long, tall, athletic or skilled or ideally both group that can play different styles according to what they are being given by the opposition. That's pretty interesting to me. And then, you know, obviously we need to see how it plays out for a whole year. But I look at this year and, you know, and as much criticism as there was of IU in their offense – this was a top 30 offense. It was one of the best offenses in college basketball. The problem, to some degree, I think to a large degree, was the defense and the rebounding. And both of those things were largely personnel-driven as opposed to being schematically driven. And what I'm watching IU start to collect here is players who directly can solve a lot of those issues, either through rim protection or the athleticism to be able to guard opponents better than what Indiana's players were able to do last year. So... That's not really an answer to your question, Jared, but it's the answer I think needs to be given. No, it's a good one. And I want to I want to linger on a portion of it here uh, in just a moment. But Tony, I want to give you a chance to get a final thought. I know you get a bounce. Yeah, you know, first of all, appreciate uh, obviously the invite coming on here as always. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm even doing excited. all these Crimson Cast podcasts, man. We were getting jealous. We hadn't had you. <laughs> I, on I was all over last week. I was Crimson Castle. <laughs> we have better the hall. NIL, Jared. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I'm I'm excited for the state of Indiana basketball currently. Um, you know, and I think that's important to note. Uh, Indiana's losing a lot of production from last season, and you know, it's April 10th here, and I'm already excited about what's to come in November. And that's because, you know, portal season's really just kicking off. There's there's a lot still to be done. You know, Indiana's got two commits thus far, um, probably two more. And, you know, you've got the Xavier Johnson um, situation looming as well. So I- I'm excited because of how Indiana will likely play given their roster makeup. Don't get me wrong. I've absolutely loved watching Trace Jackson Davis play. I loved watching Juwan Morgan play. Um, but sometimes it's not as aesthetically pleasing as, you know, kind of watching like the golden state warriors play offense or something like that. Um, not to say that Indiana is going to be the golden state warriors, but they're going to play a more perimeter oriented offense. Um, and that is predicated on ball screens and getting downhill and having guys that are able to go make a play and get a bucket. And that's exciting to me. Um, and you know, it's really the first time that, Mike Woodson um, has is able to kind of put a stamp on the program offensively. Like he said himself, like, look, I, I I designed my offense around my best player, which was Trace Jackson Davis for the past two seasons. I've never designed an offense around a post player. Selfishly, that makes me excited for film rooms. Um, you know, the last six years, IU film rooms have been very similar in terms of the offense that I'm breaking down. Um, you know, a lot of rub actions get traced in the post. And then obviously there's a lot of read and react that we can dive into in the film. But, you know, I think Indiana is going to have a lot of sets and things that we haven't seen. Um, so, you know, selfishly, that's exciting for me just to break down from like a nerding out standpoint. But like I said, you know, I think it's a great day to be a Hoosier. I'm excited about the state of the program and where things are heading. And, you know, there's um, still guys to go get guys that Indiana had on campus, guys they're trying to get on campus. You know, you mentioned Lead Lemon Connect. Those two pieces right there are, um, you know, going to kind of help put a cherry on top of what I think is going to be a good portal season. And then it's up to the staff to go uh, make those things fit well together. But um, job well done to the staff to be able to do this. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Yah has gotten some criticism unfairly based on, um, you know, what he's able to do or not. I think – this certainly puts that to rest, um, you know, being able to to go out and get where in, in a quick manner um, and use connections that he's had um, to go do that. And so, um, you know, kind of ranting and raving here, um, here on my final thought, but just uh, excited for where things are at and appreciate the opportunity to, to talk through those. Absolutely. We can't wait to see you breaking down <clears throat> different concepts and, you know, a different offensive style next season. It'll be fun for everybody. <clears throat> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tony. Um, so as we wrap up here, you know, Jay, we were talking in Discord earlier today. You know, you were mentioning just how long this roster is projected to be right now at almost every position. And, you know, for me, as I look at this, and Tony, you know, hit on this a little bit, you know, it, it's felt like with Indiana basketball for, I mean, gosh, most of the last 10 years outside of maybe one that it's like, okay, we have one thing we can do really well and maybe one other thing. 
And if we can, you know, get to our spots in a game and the matchup is right, we'll have a chance to win. And if we don't, we're just getting our butt kicked and there's really no not much of a chance. You know, we didn't we weren't really adaptable. And there were just certain matchups we'd have no chance in. And what they're developing, and again, we have to see what other pieces they add, but what they're developing is a roster that really seems to have a lot of malleability, assuming that they can, you know, get enough shooting with the rest of the spots. But you just look at the big guys. You know, having, you know, if you include Caleb Banks down there, having Ware, having Renew, having Sparks, you know, these guys that can play different styles and different ways and mix and match them. And, you know, same thing out on the perimeter. It just, it really feels like there's a potential for Indiana to finally kind of have one of those adaptable rosters that can compete against different Big Ten teams and also maybe go out in March. Um, you know, and so that is, uh, again, if, if, if this offseason continues on the trajectory that it's on, that's something to really look forward to for next season. All right. How's my audio now? It's better. It's fair. <laughs> it's good enough. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's exciting because, you know, we're finally uh, getting to see how Coach Woodson builds a roster. Um, yet we haven't had a lot of opportunity to see that uh, in, in his time here, um, given the amount of people we already had on, on the team and, and trying to build a, a winner around Trace. You know, if you have an All-American big, you build an offense and a defense that helps highlight that All-American big. You know, now we no longer have those kind of we don't you know have those constraints anymore, uh, you know. Not that Trace was a, a bad thing to have, but um, we can be a little more versatile so we can hopefully build a roster that, you know, competes with the grind of having to play 20 games or 22 or 23 games against Big Ten competition. And then in the tournament can go out and play some, you know, fun up and up and down basketball, um, taking advantage of athleticism and size and speed to compete with a team like we saw with Miami this year or Kansas State or some of those other teams uh, FAU, another one, you know, they have, you know, a lot of guys on that t- FAU team that can do a lot of different things. You know, um, they had, you put five of them on the court, you couldn't really tell who was the two, who was the three, who was the four. They were just five guys out there playing good basketball. And having the, uh, having guys, multiple guys on your team and on your roster that can, you know, play different positions. You know, so if you have a guy like Ledlam who can play the three, or maybe if you want to go small, you can play the four. Um, you know, you have you have uh, maybe some guys like a you know connect who's you know six 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 seven. You can play him the two or the three. Um, so it's things like that. I think are guys where and it's it's clear that they they came into they being the coaching staff came into this off season with a clear plan. You know, they wanted to target. We had to get a couple bigs. They've already gotten that done. You know, now their attention seems to be on these you know wing two three four. Uh, you know, wing scores, wing shooters um, to really kind of round out the rest of the roster. And, you know, having such a clear focus and then being able to put that plan into action so quickly, I think is it really speaks a lot to the work that the staff did uh, preparing for the portal and now uh, now executing it in the portal. Coach, what are you seeing from, you know, in terms of what are you learning, I guess, is the question about Mike Woodson, how he wants to play from how the transfer portal is unfolding. Not much yet until he gets his guards. Uh, the guards and the wings will tell you a lot. The next, what do we have, three spots left? Um, yeah. I think the ne- next three spots will really give us an indication on, on how he how he wants to play. I think it is leaning towards what everyone's saying with, you know, um, this commitment being more of a, 
uh, a rim runner and a pick and pop type of guy, which is what we all want to see. Uh, I think he, I think he, if he's headed in that direction, that is a positive uh, because you need dudes. If anything, watching an NCAA tournament, you just need dudes and you need perimeter shooting uh, and you need to play that style. That doesn't mean you can't have a post or two. I mean, heck, UConn had you know two huge guys that couldn't do anything outside the lane for the most part, although what Sonogo hit some threes. Um, but I like that piece. I like this piece because it is a five that can do four. He played a lot of four at Oregon as well defensively. Yep. And that's so, you know, the rim protection's nice if he's going to guard the five. If he's going to guard the four, he's going to be out on the perimeter. But they said nice long arms to, to get some steals and, and those things. And that's where you're really going to tell where this recruit is going to be. Is if, you know, the questions about his motor, whether they're fair or not, you're going to find out on his rebounding and defense whether he picks up what Coach Woodson wants to do. Offensively, everyone's got a motor offensively because everyone loves to score uh, for, for the most part, right? So you're going to find out about that guy. But really, we have two bigs. Um, in the portal this year. So there's really, for me, there's nothing definitive yet on on how well this team is going to be or or what style they're going to play until you get the guards. But I think it's headed in, in, in that direction. I, I, I think a lot of my excitement is maybe wishful thinking, wanting him to go to a little more guard-oriented, four-out-one-in than what he did in the past. But until we see it, we're, we're not sure. And and again, he's really good at knowing his roster. If he doesn't get those guys that he wants, then he's probably going to go back to something that he's comfortable with having renew uh, and wear in the five being being the strength with, with X. Uh, you might see more of what we had in the past if he doesn't get that uh, those guys in the portal. So I, I think it's too early to tell. I, I think it's headed and trending in the right direction, though. Yeah, and I mean, Galen, it's still not late yet in the portal season. I mean, Texas, there's a five-star guard from Texas that just announced that he's going in the portal. You know, and as Coach said, there's three spots. I would expect Indiana to fill at least two of them. I would think they would probably hold on to one, you know, maybe later into the offseason just in case some kind of opportunity presents itself. So I wouldn't worry at all if they only fill two. Um you know, I think, you know, coach kind of mentioned, you know, there that, you know, we have to wait a little bit to see, you know, what gets filled out with these other guard spots. And we've spent a lot of time talking tonight, I think, about reasons to be excited. Uh, but I do think it's important, in addition to maintaining patience as you go through portal season, because so much will happen in a week. It feels like there can't be that much more. It's like, no, there are several more weeks of this. So in addition to having that patience, you know, it's also important to remember that, you know, maybe in the transfer portal era more than ever, there's going to be a lot of volatility between what a team looks like on paper and what ends up happening um, because these recruitments are short. And so the connection between coach and player, you know, maybe isn't fully developed yet before a guy gets on campus and you're tossing a lot of personalities together, you know, that you don't have a lot of experience with and, you know, to see how those go. We saw with Illinois, um, the ups and downs, as coaches mentioned, they didn't have a senior guard to kind of help, she- help shepherd them through. But that's the other thing as we look forward with Indiana is you're really counting on a lot of leadership from Xavier Johnson, who absolutely says all the right things and has been doing all the right things this offseason. But, you know, our last time seeing X, he was still a bit up and down and, you know, counting on that guy to, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, your leader brings with it questions too. questions I hope to be answered, you know, in a, in a positive way. But, you know, just I guess that's my point is, as you look forward it's great to be excited and this is a great addition, but it's just going to be interesting once we see what all the final pieces are, 
you know, and as much as we talk about it on paper, it's really, you know, going to have to wait until November and get all those pieces together, uh, you know, to really know how this is all going to fit. I think it's okay to just be excited about the commitment of where and not worry about all the other stuff. So I'm going to give IU fans right now my blessing. Just go be excited. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about the near future because as, as, uh, as, as coach said, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. But even with that, we got seven weeks, six weeks left in the portal. Uh, I think something like 25% of all of Division One is in the portal. I don't think that's an exaggeration either. I think it's actually yeah. legitimately that many players. Um, and look, I, I also say this. I think we need to put aside to some degree our outdated ideas of transfers and personalities as they relate to college basketball teams that are successful. You, you can't use Illinois under any circumstances as an exemplar of how it's going to go, because we know there's big issues behind the scenes in terms of how sure. players get dealt with there. And we just haven't seen that at IU, uh, at least not under Mike Woodson so far. So I, I am in, I mean, and Woodson of all people, it knows about bringing in disparate personalities and trying to get them to coalesce into something bigger than themselves. Um, you know, that at the, at the NBA level, that's all you do. It feels like as a coach is, is just try to manage that stuff. I mean, you know, you, uh, Rudy Gobert like took a swing at a teammate yesterday. I mean, you know, that's 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 the norm. And, you know, so when I think about transfers, new players like Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton coming in. Yeah, there's going to be some changeover. But I think you might want a little more combustion in terms of the personalities and the way that they combine. I mean, as, as much as people complain about how Indiana basketball sometimes doesn't seem to measure up in the urgency category uh you know when you recruit a bunch of like mild-mannered people that all love each other it's great but that doesn't necessarily translate into a lot of energy at the points where it matters the most against the teams that you need it against and so i'm all for a little bit of um you know let's throw some some hot sauce into the mix here and see what happens and i'm just right now excited that one of those building blocks is a former five-star who also happens to be seven feet tall and is insanely skilled. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I understand the, the 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 tempering of expectations, but that's what June and July are for in my calendar. <laughs> True. Okay, fine. Let's just be unabashedly excited for the rest of the show um, and and on into the near future. Um, but let's go. Let's go around. We've done. Uh, we're here almost on an hour and a half on this one. You've got that interview with Spencer McLaughlin to listen to too. So, gentlemen, let's uh, let's wrap up here with some final thoughts on a big recruiting day uh, for Indiana that I think in a large way should halt uh, some narratives that really were unfortunately taking hold a couple weeks ago and leading a lot of fans to kind of panic. Uh, and there was no guarantee of anything, but there was a lot of reason to be patient, and that patience is being rewarded uh, today. And I think we expect, uh, you know, some more good news in the future uh, here coming down the pike as well. Uh, so let's get some final thoughts. Jay, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me on, Jared. Um, it's always fun to chat with you guys. Um, you know, as you said, great day for IU. Uh, it's nice to see um, the staff identify a target and go out and lock them up. Uh, within you know three or four days, because um, I think what the Thursday morning the news broke that he was visiting campus later that day, and um, you know started to trickle out Thursday night that this this could be happening soon. So um, it's, I think it's a great sign for things to come. Uh, it it kind of checks a really big need off off for the roster next year in terms of 
having a rim protector, five, uh, you know, lob catcher, uh, pick and pop guy that, that can hopefully come in and contribute at a high level right away. And it, it sets up, uh, it sets up for a very successful, um, off season. You know, let's get these, let's get these guys signed up, get them on campus and get to work. Um, you know, it's uh, never, never a dull moment with IU basketball, and so uh, let's uh, let's let's keep the momentum rolling. Absolutely, thanks for being here, Jay. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, Coach, final thoughts on yeah, the commitment of Kalel Ware? It's a, it's an athlete. You know, you got to get an athlete in with with uh, you know his his ranking and his potential. And as you said, I think we, we've talked a lot about Coach Woodson's best um, is that general manager role, that that professional role where he's bringing in a bunch of different types of mindsets and, and molding them. I think he's had more successes than failures. You know, uh, I think he, he really has helped shape uh, X, who came in with some questions um, about his temperament when he was at Pittsburgh. And, and and it took a little while, uh, and maybe it's still a work in progress But with X, but he got to a spot where he was really good. Uh, and, and so that track record speaks well for the doubts that anyone might have about this guy. But but you also said it has to be done in November. And I know I hear, hear Galen wanting to be excited, and he, he can go ahead and be excited. But really, it just matters if they all gel and can maximize what they do in, in November. So I don't want to pee in your Wheaties there, uh, Galen. But, um, you know, the, the young man has to play – better than he played at you know Oregon or this thing isn't something to celebrate right uh and I do believe that it it will at some point we hope that it's in November and December because I believe coach Woodson does have a way of trying to get get the best but you know he couldn't get the best out of Tamar either and and that's not a bad mark on Woodson is just sometimes things work and sometimes things don't right now fantastic number two guy in the portal uh, a lob catcher with the point guard that's going to throw a lot of lobs and is a guy that gets to the rim uh, I think that's really good uh, for Indiana. You need dudes. Um, you just need dudes out in the perimeter, uh, as we've seen in a tournament. So that's where I'm cautiously awaiting uh, the the next uh, few commits from the portal to see where Woodson's going. But, yeah, good day. Uh, it, it's better than having it. You know, when he cancels for Alabama, that's a good sight, too. Like, he didn't just come to Indiana after testing, you know, a lot of schools out. He, he came to Indiana. He liked it. Took his time a little bit. We thought it might happen on, on you know, Friday. But uh, he didn't even go to Alabama. And that's a top-ranked uh, program there with a lot of NIL stuff uh, as well. So that that's a huge win for, for, for Indiana. We just hope that plays out. To be fair, Nate Oates did lose all three of his assistant coaches to head jobs, so it's possible they tried to like contact someone at Alabama to make the visit and just Could, didn't. No one answered the back. phone. Yeah, so you know, maybe right place, right time for the Indiana timing. on that yeah. one. So, which is which is always oh, good <laughs> in relation to Alabama sports. Um, by the way, one other statistic that I wanted to mention, Galen, that we haven't mentioned, uh, which I think is an important one, is fouls committed per 40 minutes, only 2.5. So he is yeah. not a guy who committed a lot of fouls. <clears throat> now, he didn't draw a lot of fouls either uh, on the offensive end, uh, you know, just in part because of his style. But, uh, you know, obviously with Malik Renew really struggling with that, it's nice to know that your other guy that, you know, be playing next to him uh, doesn't have that issue. So your final thoughts. Get us pumped up again. <laughs> I've tried twice. Everybody's like, after oh, Coach Buzz kills. You gotta be serious about this. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, no, I, I get it. Um, look, I, 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 I've already covered a lot of ground already, so I'll finish by saying this. People, this is not directed at the people on the podcast. People out there in Hoosier land, can we stop the Mike Woodson slander for just a little bit? All right. Uh, you know, 
we've heard he's lazy. He does, he's not out on the recruiting trail. But and yet he's landed guys both in recruiting and in the portal that look pretty darn good. Uh, you know, certainly fit all the things that we're looking at on paper. It's like, well, he can't go get big guys in, in the transfer portal. Well, he just got the second or first ranked guy in the portal, depending on who you're talking to. There's clearly a strategy at play, and it's clearly playing out on a timeline that Woodson is at least in part dictating because, uh, you know, we're seeing things start to land and, and Woodson clearly went in with some kind of strategy. It wasn't like someone just like, you know, sent a Raven from Eugene and was like, you know, this guy might be available. And was like, Whoa, really? No, that's like, there's clearly some kind of a plan going on here. And, and with the names that have been mentioned and the way that IU has sent their attention towards these individual players, uh, th- this basketball program knows what it's doing. And this whole last season was a demonstration that this basketball team knew what it was doing. So aside from the fact that IU just secured a former five-star recruit who's got a lot of potential, I think we can also be happy that IU basketball is pointed in the right direction as this has been reiterated on multiple occasions. So that's what I will end with. I'm looking forward to whatever other news comes out here in the next week. Uh, and the weather's beautiful here in Bloomington, so everybody should come visit. I really want to unpack this recruiting by Raven idea that you've just introduced, <laughs> which I really could could improve uh, well, overall recruiting. All our problems with Kelvin Sampson. What I, I mean, you know, certainly <laughs> even text messages might not have been allowed, but Ravens would have been fine, right? <laughs> Uh, it wouldn't be an Indiana podcast without some kind of random Kelvin Sampson mention. So we've <laughs> we've we've gotten our quote in. Uh, look, uh, a good day for Indiana. You get Kalel Ware, former five star. This is this is a great day, um, and it's a lot to be excited about. We'll have plenty of time as we go through this off season to break it down. Obviously, once we see all the pieces, you know we can really kind of start breaking down how we think uh, things will fit together. Uh, but keep your eye out now for who's the next name. You know, Chris Ledlam, Dalton Connect are two names that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, you know, but one thing that we've learned about this staff and with this recruitment uh, in particular with Kalel Ware is sometimes a name is off the radar and it very quickly is on the radar and things go fast. So there's still a lot of time left in the portal. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to stay patient and stay confident in the plan that this coaching staff has. And hopefully it continues to be as fruitful uh, as it has already been, because this was a really good pickup for Indiana. Uh, we will talk about it more on Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. I'm sure whenever uh, Galen comes out of podcast uh, hibernation here and hosts another episode of Crimson Cast, that they'll uh, <laughs> they'll be talking like, about it as well. It's like in College Hoops 2K8. After you're done with getting all your recruits, like the only option is just golf. That's essentially <laughs> where I'm at with podcasting right now. I got to I got to recharge the solar cells. So just send Scott out there to to host shows. Well, I tried that. You should see the the emails that we're getting in response to that. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but no, we'll we'll have more talking about it uh, on Thursday and throughout the off season. Thanks for being here. Make sure to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use our promo code Home H O M E to get fifteen percent off your first order and you know who knows the next time news breaks we'll try to have an emergency pod as soon as it happens uh we we always do they're always fun we appreciate everyone who's here live appreciate everyone listening on the replay uh and make sure that you also check out the interview with spencer mclaughlin for more insight on kalel Ware. all right gentlemen keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers this is a great day for mike woodson and his family
Indiana basketball is the shit.